All right, this is the SR151 Q&A from our amazing patrons. You can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash surveillancepod to ask a question next Q&A. Um, and I also want to thank, as always, our patrons and our other supporters for keeping this podcast free. So let's get into this right away. First question from Barnaby is, what is best for privacy, Monero or Zcash? Um, so... There are definitely arguments that I've personally seen about uh, Zcash's implementation of uh, keeping users private maybe stronger than Monero's. Not that I've seen really many arguments for Monero's being lackluster necessarily, just that Zcash might be better. The main reason why I recommend Monero is you can't use it without privacy built in. Whereas with Zcash, you have to opt into that system. Kind of like on Telegram. If you open Telegram, you have the option of starting a secret chat with somebody, but that's not on by default. Um, So this is kind of how Zcash works as well, which is why I'm personally against it. Um, Not against it, I should say. Uh, I just uh, prefer Monero, and I prefer using Monero, because if I tell a friend to use Monero, they're just going to have privacy no matter what they do. So that's personally why I like it. No, I'm 100% in the same boat. That's what I've heard, too, is like, there's nothing wrong with Zcash, per se. It's just that, yeah, like you said, like, privacy is the default in Monero, and in Zcash, you have to opt into what do they call it shielded transactions i think or something like that um i i'm also a fan of monero just because and maybe this is like a bubble that i put myself in by accident but i feel like i actually see monero as a payment option like you know ivpn doesn't accept zcash but you know what i mean like it's easier to find like a lot of places accept bitcoin and then some of them a lot of them accept ethereum and doge and other crap for some reason but like a lot of them also accept monero not as many as bitcoin but i like i almost never see anybody that accepts zcash so i feel like monero is just more widely adopted again like henry said it's privacy by default um so yeah if you, if you find somebody who uses zcash hey man more power to you i guess i'll take the next one this one also comes from barnaby since we had like three weeks in between uh he left a couple questions what type of info is sold by data brokers do they sell health related profile scores the type of profile that would interest a bank or an insurance company do we have evidence of banks or insurance companies are banks buying up this type of data and also what is the relationship with facebook or google do they buy data from them um so this is actually a lot of questions uh to break down here what type of info is sold that really depends on the data broker um some of them do specialize in like you said, like health related stuff or insurance related stuff. And I mean, even within insurance, insurance, you've got health insurance, you've got renters insurance, you've got, you know, um, like driving insurance. So it depends. Um, do we have evidence of banks or insurance companies buying this type of data? I mean, yeah, go take out a car loan at your bank and you know what they're going to tell you. We need your transunion credit score. They're a data broker, man. Um, sorry if that sounds condescending, but like, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Banks and insurance companies use this type of stuff. Um, what's their relationship with Facebook or Google? Do they buy data from them? I don't know, but my money's going to say at very least they scrape data. So if your Facebook is public, they probably have a way to scrape that data. Um, Facebook and Google might be selling it to them, but at the same time, like a lot of people have pointed out saying that Facebook and Google sell your data is kind of like technically wrong because they're ad companies. So they don't want to sell your data. They sell access to that data via their ad platforms. Um, so I could see the argument either way, like maybe Facebook and Google do sell them data because these are huge companies that can probably make them a pretty good offer. But at the same time, maybe they don't because they want to keep that data for themselves to sell their own ads. I had a restaurant one time send me a, a, a mailer when I first got into privacy that was like, hey, here's a discount for your birthday. And for the record, I'd never eaten at this restaurant. It was a barbecue place. And at the time I was vegetarian. Uh, so I definitely never eaten there. And I specifically called them and I was like, where did you get this info? And surprisingly, they did tell me, they're like, oh, we bought it from Axiom. And so like, you know, Axiom and LexisNexis aren't selling ad space. They're selling it to the companies who want to send you a mailer or sell you an ad. 
So I don't know. There, there might be some data sales going on there. There might not be. We really can't say for sure. Um, but like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if they're at very least scraping public information like Facebook profiles, YouTube profiles. I don't know if Google Plus is still a thing. Uh, next question is from Mr. Camel 999 a classic uh, patron of ours. Um, have you read or watched all of One Piece? If so, have you seen the new live action version? And what are your thoughts? Of course, it's possible neither of you have seen it. But what what this is, is I'm asking. This is what I'm asking but, this week. <laughs> but this is what I'm asking this week. He's getting his um, money's worth. <laughs> there, I, so I haven't seen One Piece, but I do have something to say about this, which is I refuse to start any show, any anime, any anything that just continues endlessly. That's probably a good so, policy. Right. Like, I just don't. Like, I'm not going to get into something that's thousands of episodes. And the reason for that is not only because, like, I want to try to, like, have a life still, because <laughs> I will get consumed by it, um, but also because there's something to be said about... I don't know. I just prefer things that are finite. The story's like very set in stone. I think it's very hard. I haven't seen One Piece. Maybe they pulled it off. But of the things I've seen that just keep endlessly going on, they have to keep expanding the story and finding new things to add. It doesn't really connect. What Like, I'm sure the newest episodes aren't going to connect with the first five episodes super well. Um, that's why I love like 12 episode. Like my favorite anime is Death Parade. I've never it's even heard of 12. that one. Dude, it's so good. It's not very like well heard of. But, like, it's so good. It's 12 episodes, and, like, everything connects, and that's it. Then it's over. And, like, you you want more, but you're never going to get more. Like, those are the best kinds of things, I think. But I do want to get back into anime. Um, yeah, I've never watched or read One, one Piece. Um, it just didn't really appeal to me. I'm just not a big pirate guy. So I was just kind of like, yeah, whatever. Um, oh, is it about pirates? Yeah, it's like this dude, the the dude with the stretchy arms, which for the record, I don't know what's up with that. He's looking for like he's looking for like the last piece of like stolen gold or some shit like that. So, I don't know. I've heard good things about it. I don't have any beef with it. It's just not for me. Um I say as I've never given it a chance. Uh I have not seen the live action version, but here's my rule when it comes to anime. The live version always sucks. End of story. I've never heard and I don't Y'all, I'm one of you, but I don't understand the anime fans who get so excited every time there's a live-action version. Because, number one, they're never good. Have we not learned our lesson by now? Number two, anime is a completely legitimate art form in and of itself. We don't need a live-action version to legitimize it somehow. Number three, like, it would be weird. Like, I, my wife literally sat me down and had me watch. It's, like, one of her favorite shows, and it's a live adaptation of a manga and I felt it watching it. Like everything was so over dramatic. And I'm like, yeah, this would work fine as an anime, but in live action, it's just like, it's silly. It's like a soap opera. It's just so over dramatic and hyper- hyperbolic and ridiculous. Um, so yeah, I have a hard rule. I don't watch live action anything. Full Metal Alchemist was my favorite anime, and I've still never seen the live action adaptation, which I've actually heard was somewhat okay. But it's just like, yeah, but they're never good. Like we just don't need it. So 2003 was better than Brotherhood. Ooh, hot take. You're the only person I've ever heard say that. I still haven't seen it's, Brotherhood. It's darker. It's for adults. Brotherhood is for children. That's why. <laughs> I always hear it the other way around. No. No, that's that's wrong. That's, like, <laughs> what you just said is, like, like, even if, even people who like Brotherhood acknowledge that the original one is definitely more adult-centric. That's funny, because I've always heard people say Brotherhood is darker. 
No, it's not darker. Interesting. I don't know. You might have mixed them up. Are you sure? Because like, no, that's what I've always heard. Is everybody's always like Brotherhood's darker. darker. That's one of the reasons I haven't watched it. Is because I was like, man, the original was like such a gut punch. I'm just not ready to put myself through that again. Ten years later, look, the original has issues, especially if like you really want to stick to the manga. The original doesn't really stick to the manga, and that's what I've heard is Brotherhood sticks to the manga a lot closer. Oh yeah, the Brotherhood is exactly the manga, but like the original, like so I watched the first one before mm-hmm. brotherhood same and when i watched brotherhood i'm like oh my god this is so annoying like i just couldn't because it felt like it was something i would have had to watch when i was younger and i had to have grown up on it versus when i watched fma 2003 i'm like wow this is like actually something like as an adult i can enjoy it didn't feel like it was dumbed down for me i should say um. no definitely people in the comments should definitely let us know if like <laughs> how the, wrong we are just, <laughs> Well, say that say the pros and cons between FMA two thousand three and FMAB, because yeah, just leave your thoughts. I'm down. Okay, next one comes from Benny. This is a good one. What is the biggest category in your guys' opinion of tech that lacks any decent private slash FOSS alternatives? Sent from my smart nail clipper. It's a hell of a nail clipper. Um, so, uh, I mean, there's a lot of answers to that. In my opinion, uh, we definitely don't need more uh messengers we definitely don't need more browsers i saw somebody on reddit this week that was like we need a proton browser and they listed what they would want out of that dude but it's so funny because they listed what they would want out of that browser and literally everyone was like yeah this already exists and somebody else made a good point it's like that's just going to slow down proton's development even more like please don't um so unfortunately for me i think the things we need the most are the things that are the hardest to create like we need more private payment options. Like we need a privacy.com for Europe. We really, really do. But like that is just so wrapped up in so many, you know, regulatory issues and legal, like laws vary from place to place. Um, so I understand why that's hard to do. And same thing with the voice over IP. We need more voice over IP options, especially user friendly one. Now to be fair, I still haven't tried jmp.chat. Um, I don't know how user friendly it is, but I'm willing to bet it's a lot harder than my pseudo. And we need stuff like MySudo that's just fire up and go. But again, that requires so much infrastructure and you have to get the phone numbers. And now you're running into laws in those places where it's like, well, you have to attach an ID to a SIM card and all this kind of stuff. So like I think those are the things we really need the most in my opinion. Um, But I understand why they're also really tall orders. I think for things that are maybe a little bit less intensive – I guess we have Skiff now, but I was going to say before Skiff, we basically only had two privacy email providers in my opinion. Um, I don't know. There's things where we don't have a lot of options, but I also feel like the options we have are pretty good. You know, like password managers, um, email aliasing. Like it it definitely never hurts to have more competition up to a reasonable point, cough, cough messengers. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know. What did we talk about last week? Notes taking apps, photo storage, um cloud storage like there's a lot of little niche areas where i think there's a lot more need so yeah well there are there's a few in every area and i think Mm -hmm. they're all like nt now i I tried nt i I had to because they sponsored our forum so like i'm not gonna like (laughs) at least not like try something and use it until i didn't use it they just gave me money (laughs) yeah no so um i tried their new facial recognition thing i was telling you this about before our call I tried their new facial recognition feature that's like a beta inside the desktop clients. It works really well. Um, I was pretty impressed with it. So it made me realize that like Google Photos alternative, maybe soon, uh, if they can like kind of 
finish polishing things up, introduce a few more features. It could be like a pretty solid option. Um, I did try Notes Nook as well. My biggest pet peeve in my day-to-day life that actually does impact me every single day is uh, video production. Uh, there is just no, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a billion comments from people who might've, you know, maybe edited some, some like home video with open shot or whatever you want to use. Um, and sure, like it might work for you, but on my end, like none of this is going to beat DaVinci Resolve or like Adobe Premiere or like many of these, like many more sophisticated, powerful NLEs. So like, if you actually need a very powerful NLE, there's not really a real option um, I know Blender supports some video editing in it, but I'm not going to edit videos in Blender. It's just not going to happen. So um, I'd say that's like the big place that's falling short right now is like professional tools. And it's not just for video production. I think generally speaking, there's a ton of different uh, places professionally where you're not going to find like an open source privacy respecting alternative um, because those are extremely niche. So. I know in audio it becomes like a thousand times worse because like I have Pro Tools, which for the record has elastic audio that I've never found anywhere else, and I do need that. But then it's not just that. It's all these different plugins that I use, like compressors and EQ and transient designers and, you know, all these different things. But like for those who don't know, each one has like not only a different functionality and a different workflow, but a different sound. And like there's literally like the high, high end audio people. I've literally seen like Grammy winning audio engineers who will throw in a plugin. And they're not actually applying any processing. They just like the very extremely subtle, like it took years for my ears to get good enough to hear it, like the very subtle way that it affects that sound. And it's like, okay, but we can't have that. And like I said, like even if you do, like, okay, I recreated this compressor and it's actually really usable and really good. But the way that this other one algorithmically alters the sound is different from this open source one. It just, yeah, it gets super complicated. But it's unfortunate because I would love to move to more open source stuff. I'm tired of paying for Pro Tools. They're garbage and expensive, but. Okay, uh, next question is from The Dressing Gown. With default Android phones, Samsung One, UI, etc., only having a single VPN slot, would you be more in favor of using a VPN or a tracker blocker on your phone for privacy purposes when you have only the essential apps in your phone, plus the unremovable bloatware? Think Samsung. And what would you say are the benefits and drawbacks of each? Also, is there a technical reason for only having a single VPN slot that you are aware of? Yeah, so uh, the technical reason is that's all that Android really allows. Um, Technically, if they wanted to get around that, they'd have to do something like iOS, which you can have two VPNs on iOS, but one has to be IKEV2, and then the other one has to be either OpenVPN or WireGuard or something like that. Um, But on Android, uh, you're not going to have that option. Now, this is an extremely nuanced question, and this is why, like, I'm sure both of us like to really get into the nitty-gritty of privacy and security and not just give, like, outright blatant, you know, rules. One size fits uh, all. For a lot of things. Yeah, uh, because this really depends. So uh, just to give you an example, if you have an Android device and you have a ton of problematic apps installed with tons of trackers and things like that, you might get more benefit from a tracker blocking tool to use your VPN slot than a VPN might give you, right? They're protecting totally different things. And so for some of you, you might get more benefit from one of them versus another. Um, In your specific condition, you did lay out that you're just going to be using the standard apps, uh, just the bloatware that comes with your phone. Now, where I immediately think of is I would use, if I was in your situation, I would use that VPN slot, but I would use some kind of DNS filter. So I would use a VPN that allows you to customize the DNS 
and I would use something like NextDNS or any other DNS blocker that you want to use. And there's actually uh, a lot of domains that you can block from there. So NextDNS has a native Samsung tool. So you can just select block Samsung tracking uh, domains. And so let's say you use NextDNS with Mulvad or NextDNS with IVPN. It's only going to use one VPN slot. And then you change it in the settings of the VPN. And then you're also going to be able to block some of the domains contacted uh, by some of the apps in your phone. I would personally opt for that direction. Um, but there are some other things that are coming up now. Like I know there's Rethink DNS, uh, which is now giving users a few more options uh, and might enable some people to combine a few more tools as well. So different things to throw your way. I don't know if you have something else to add. Now you kind of hit the nail on the head. I was going to say, yeah, there's a lot of nuance there. Like, for example, are you in one of those countries that actually protects your phone data um, where you have privacy protections legally built in, which we all know are not perfect, but compared to the U.S. where it's just open freaking Wild West, um, what's your threat model, of course, is always the thing. Like, Because, you know, VPNs, like, they're nice for protecting your data, but, I mean, keep in mind, on a phone, they're not going to prevent your location data from being picked up by your carrier, um, things like that. So they, they have a use for sure, but... And a lot of them do come with built-in tracker blockers, but they're definitely not as comprehensive as something specifically dedicated for that. So I think, yeah, if you wanted the best of both worlds, I think your suggestion about like a VPN with a custom DNS would be ideal. Um, otherwise, like, yeah, if your main priority is like blocking all that native bloatware, then yeah, I think it would be best to find a tool that does that, whether it's a VPN or not. Um, yeah. Right. Well, um, like you said, a lot of VPNs, um, I forgot to mention that, but you're right, because a lot of VPNs offer just native protection. Like there's Anti-Tracker and iVPN, and then Mulved has their own DNS that does block, uh, I think, malware. And I want to say there's a way to set it to also block ads and trackers and things like that. Um, and then... Proton has NetShield. If, right. If, if I was this person, like in this exact situation, I'd be using Mulved or iVPN with NextDNS using the Samsung blocking because that'll block a lot of the samsung stuff that it does on the phone so that's what i would be doing yeah i'm with you i think that's going to be the best option ideally if they can do that okay david johnson this one's kind of long um are there read are there readable alias generating resources sites or software that you use or particularly like or have heard recommended a password generator set to use only letters and numbers can make aliases however in many cases it is more convenient and desirable to have aliases that are pronounceable and thereby easier to remember simple logins random aliases would be an example but it, it should be possible to do better um they cite postmodernism generator was written in the 90s such aliases could consist of combos of actual though maybe rarely used or archaic English words, which would rely on grammar rules to produce both word combos that sound like the words actually belong. Made-up words could be generated on the basis of known rules of English language. Um, so I guess, I guess my question here is, what do you mean by alias? If you're talking like an online alias, like a username, I mean, Bitwarden has a username generator. I think you have to have an account to use it, but I, I think it's free, if I remember correctly. So Bitwarden, and they'll come up with like, you know... Um, I'm looking around my desk now, uh, like sticker 92, you know, stuff like that. That's obviously not a real name, but it's, you know, it's a believable username. Like you said, um, like you mentioned a password generator, you could set it to passphrase. That's honestly usually what I do. Cause I'm more of a key pass guy. I usually have key pass open, but I don't usually have Bitwarden open. So, um, I'll go to my password generator and key pass and I'll just set it to passphrase. Um, so then it's not random letters and numbers it's pronounceable. And like, I'll put in some thought to that. Cause you know, I don't want it to like sound weird. If I, like you said, if I do have to read it off to somebody, I don't want it to be like 
weird sounding, but you know, you just pick two random words in your password generator and, and go with those, um, and regenerate them if you don't like what they got. Um, as far as names I've mentioned before, like baby naming sites are great for that. Uh, my favorite one is behind the name. They have a, a name generator where you can tell it like specific nationalities. You can tell it male, female, androgynous. You can tell it like first and last name, first, middle, and last, like two middle names. Like it really, you know, it gives you a lot of uh, flexibility for that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hope, hope that helps. Clem asked, I have an iPhone 12 mini. I am thinking about buying the iPhone 13 mini. Should I buy a new iPhone 13 mini or a different iPhone? Um, that's going to depend on a few things. Uh, so the 13 mini isn't really a huge upgrade from the 12 mini. I think the battery life's a little bit better. The camera placement's a little bit different. I want to say the cameras are upgraded and maybe the processor. I don't know all the details. I don't follow it that closely. Um, if you just need a new phone because your 12 mini battery is dying, um, actually one of my friends just dealt with this dilemma uh, that I just visited. So like they had a 12 mini and the battery was pretty much dying. So their options were to replace the battery, uh, get a 13 mini, or just upgrade to the 15. They actually decided to upgrade to the 15 and they sent me a size comparison photo uh, between the 13 mini with a or the 12 mini with a case on and the 15 without a case and they're actually not terribly far off it's still bigger but it's like maybe like three quarters of a centimeter so it's like not the end of the world of a difference um but that's without a case so just some things to think about. Uh, I really don't know like how much the size matters to you, but the regular 15 might be your next best option. Um, the 13 mini might be a little bit cheaper right now, um, and it should still last you a long time too. I'd probably opt for the 13 mini if you like the 12 mini and just want to replicate that workflow. If you do want like a big upgrade, then the 15 would probably be a big upgrade from like a battery life perspective and a camera perspective and things like that. I don't know if you have any other opinions there yeah if it's otherwise performing fine for you and you just like you know like you said <clears throat> battery or whatever honestly yeah, yeah i would just replace the battery and key because the 12 is definitely still getting updates right oh oh yeah that, i mean yeah that's the context here the 12 mini is going to get updates for probably another four to five years the 13 yeah. mini for another four to five years maybe even more and then those 15 yeah exactly probably seven so unless you've got so a specific like, reason where you're like, I definitely need a new phone, honestly, I would just see if you can fix whatever's wrong with that one and keep using it. Right. And I don't see a good reason to go from the 12 mini to the 13 mini, unless for whatever reason you can't do a battery replacement and you're going to get a new phone anyway. And then you might as well just do like the slightly better one, I guess. But yeah, that's... See, the, again, though, that's when I'm at the point where I'm like, nah, at that point, if I have to upgrade for any reason, even if it's that, like, oh, the phone's still technically supported, but yeah, the parts are gone well or whatever, ahead. like, just put me on the newest one, man. Okay, and our very last question comes from What's in a Name. It says, have you seen the profiles in Safari settings on iOS 17? It seems to work like Firefox containers. Um, I personally have not messed with them. I've definitely heard about them. Um, I think they work more like accounts, if I understand correctly. I mean, it sounds like you have hands-on experience, so maybe you're right. But I think the whole idea is like, you know, you sign into your work account. And, you know, when you're out and about and you have to Google things or, you know, God forbid, don't use Google, but, you know, you have to search something, you use that account. And then when you go home, you log out of your work account and go into your personal account. And now all that, that, um, usage is like separated and compartmentalized. I thought that was how it worked, but, um, I don't know. I might look into that because I did see that and they do look pretty cool, but I don't really have particular thoughts on them other than like, Hey, cool that people have those options. So. 
Yeah, this actually seems to me less like Firefox containers and more like like accounts. Uh, yeah, profiles. Or yeah, um, profiles. Or I think Brave calls them accounts or something like that, but maybe it is profiles. Right. No, I think Brave calls them profiles too. Okay. Um, well, what do I know? But yeah, like that's how more so it is for me because I believe you can change the extensions per profile. You can change like basic settings as well. Like I, I it just screams me more like that, or it to me seems more like that than the other one. But I also haven't really tested it much. I quickly just set up a couple test ones, but I haven't actually used them yet. Yeah, I'm lucky enough to have an iPhone that I only use for work, so I don't really care. It's like anything I'm doing here is work-related. Otherwise, I'll do it on my Android if it's personal. So, But like I said, I, I think it's great that there's those options. There's that bit of compartmentalization there, so that's cool. Right. All right, and that is it for the week. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we will see you in the next Q&A. If you want to join the next Q&A, it's already live on the Patreon. So go ahead and join our Patreon at patreon.com slash surveillancepod. Uh, links will be down in the description, and all of you will be supporting the free Surveillance Support Podcast, which uh, we do for all of you for free. So thank you all very much, and we'll see you next time here on Surveillance Support.